Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. We are back again on another installment of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Good to have you here. I am the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves, fresh off of traveling to the nation's capital, trying to straighten out all those rascals in Congress. No, no, I was actually there for the Buccaneers and their game with the Washington football team. And no, I do not want to talk about the Super Bowl champ Buccaneers and how Washington uh, ruined my Sunday. It's okay, though. It's one game. The Bucs are back home and now on Monday Night Football against the Giants this week. But nonetheless, Nonetheless, we're back here on the podcast, and the man that you want to hear from is the purveyor, the owner, the operator of SportsMediaWatch.com. He's John Lewis, a.k.a. Paulson. He is back aboard with all the media takes fresh out of the oven coming up with everything going on, including the television ratings. John, good to be back with you. How are things? I'm going all right. Uh, you know, still in Boston. Uh, did a uh, panel last night for the uh, student-run newspaper at Northeastern, the student-run sports magazine, the Red and Black. So that was nice. And uh, weather hasn't been too bad. Uh, 66 degrees coming up Thursday. Pretty warm last week, too. Pretty cold like today. Yeah. But uh, the weather's been surprisingly decent uh, since I've been here. Well, for the Floridians like me, when we travel up to Washington, D.C., and it's a game time temperature of 49 degrees and dropping, we're yeah. weak. We're in big trouble. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's trouble. That's extra layers on the clothes and the gloves and the whole bit. No thank you on the snow and the cold that's coming later on uh, in the year. And John shows up and the New England Patriots are rolling without Tom Brady. They're suddenly winning games. I don't know if John's been waving the magic wand yeah. on that or not. We'll, we'll see. Speaking of the NFL, let's get right in. The ratings continue to remain uh, strong for all the different national games, uh, including the Packers uh, beating the uh, Seahawks in the national CBS game late Sunday. I'm interested, too, because we had another Manning cast edition for the 49ers upset with the Rams at the time we're taping the podcast. That was Monday night. We're taping this and uh, releasing it on Tuesday. The Manning brothers were there with Al Michaels. Interesting as a as a first guest, Phil Mickelson, fresh off another golf win on the Champions Tour. And he's had such a great Hall of Fame career. Interesting on the Manning cast. John, just some overall thoughts on the NFL. What, if anything, comes to comes to mind off another NFL weekend and the ratings, et cetera? Well, let's start with the Manning cast because, I don't know, I feel like uh, Levy et al., right, they are in some trouble because every week the Manning cast is the only thing that makes any headlines. And then in the weeks when the Manning cast isn't around, the headlines are negative. Like a couple of weeks ago, when Levy um, made the, er the the erroneous call on the uh, kick, the game-winning kick, but he's a you know it's not like the worst thing in the world, but right. certainly that was not an ideal circumstance. Or I think there was maybe Brian Greasy had an error in that one too, and yes. you know it's one thing to have the Mannings there, to have Al Michaels there too, when we know Al's contract situation. Man, the, you know, they're standing on, uh, they're not even standing on quicksand. They're standing like uh, Wiley Coyote when he goes <laughs> off the cliff. And initially, and that, that one second of hesitation correct. when he was out there for effect, that's, you, yes. that's, that's Levy and Greasy and Riddick right now off the cliff yeah. in the Roadrunner cartoon. 
Well, certainly, certainly Levy and Greasy, I think. I think Riddick could probably stick around, but I just, there's, I mean, there's, they don't have a chance. They don't, I mean, and that was why I thought it was such a not great thing for ESPN to do, to do this Manning cast. Because now, you know, one, you're talking about a second year team that's still kind of trying to put it together. And then you put this, incredible you know media attention drawing thing on opposite them and they have no shot uh, and then you know once once this particular group ends with levy riddick and greasy who's going to want to take this job because it's just becoming a carnival a merry-go-round and losing all of its prestige and you know maybe espn can make the manning cast the main broadcast but they can't do that because peyton and eli don't want to do it every week Bingo. So I still think this is a disaster because it's working out really, really well in terms of ratings and attention. But as far as the fundamentals of Monday Night Football and its strength as a product, it does not help for the future. You're not going to be able to develop Levy, Riddick, and Greasy this way. And Peyton and Eli don't want to commit to being there every week. So you still have to have a lead team. And you can't create an effective lead team if they're always being overshadowed by Peyton and Eli. Very so, valid. All of it. All of it. Yeah. Very valid. All right. So you gave me a lot of meat on the bone that I want to go back over on a couple of different things. The first thing is, if you look at the pattern, Sean McDonough was doing the games with John Gruden on Monday Night Football. Their two years went back to college football. Then Joe Tessitore steps in. The first year's a three-man booth situation with Jason Witten and Booger McFarlane. Uh, then they come back with Booger McFarlane the second year with Tessator, two-year run, and again, Tessator back to college football. Brian Greasy and Steve Levy were doing college football prior to Monday Night Football. It's not unrealistic to think after two years they may slide them back in. So if that is what they decide to do for the 2022 year, gauge it for me. Is, is there any chance that Al Michaels could be back in the Monday Night Football booth, ESPN ABC, and even more far-fetched crazy, could Peyton Manning be with him in that booth, finally, once and for all? I see you smiling. What, what if any chance is there of that happening? Well, none. Peyton doesn't want to do it, right? And Peyton could have easily been doing it for years. Uh, and especially, you know, the other thing, too, that ESPN's done? They have now cemented that Peyton will never be in that booth. Because now Peyton has the job he wants with the, with the weeks he wants. So they have now cemented getting Peyton in the traditional broadcast, which is something they can't do. Uh, as far as Al Michaels goes, you know, uh, I think uh, Marchand, Andrew Marchand has been pretty consistent on the idea that Al's going to go to Amazon, but you never know. Uh, frankly, I'd be surprised if Al went to run that football. It's a lesser position. And if you're going to take, if you're going to take a demotion, you might as well take a demotion that has you working fewer weeks per season and working with familiar names right working with the people you've worked with at nbc that's the whole reason he left espn everyone everyone forgets al michaels signed on to do monday night football when it went to espn he signed an eight-year deal uh and uh, as he watched all of his friends from monday night football go to nbc and sunday night football he said okay i, I can't do this I'm, I'm leaving so you better go uh, trade for oswald the lucky rabbit and get me out of here right uh and you know that ultimately i think if he has the opportunity to work with his NBC colleagues on Amazon, that's what he'll do, I think. 
and we again should reiterate what you're pointing out is the Thursday night game will move to Amazon Prime. I'm on the front end saying this is going to create mayhem from fans that are just mm -hmm. so ingrained on being able to see that game either on Fox, previously on CBS and Fox in combination, or on the NFL Network to suddenly not be able to see the game because they don't have Amazon Prime. I think people are going to go crazy. I'm on the front end on that. That's a 2022 problem. We'll see. Yeah, that's what you're mentioning about Al Michaels. Uh, this has been theorized too. Give me a John Lewis take, sportsmediawatch.com's very own, and it's his podcast. There, there, it's been whispered, if not even overtly suggested, that Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet, who worked previously a Monday night game when they had the doubleheader, might be the Saturday night guys, the Saturday main game guys, and or the Saturday night guys on college, and then slide in to do Monday night football down the road. On the realistic meter on that, does that have any shot in your mind of being a reality? Well, only if they keep the, the, the college football job as well. Which then you're doubling up, you're doing game day, Saturday night football, and then Monday night football, which is a lot of work. I mean, it's just, sure. You know, it, we forget these are jobs. And if you don't have to do a ton of work, you're not going to want to do it, right? Uh, and beyond anything else, I just think Monday night, the traditional Monday night football job has to have zero appeal at this point, outside of the financial because now you're not even getting any lift out of it. You're not even getting any prestige out of it. You're just getting overshadowed by Peyton and Eli. So this just, I, I just don't see what the value is. I think ESPN has jumped full force into devaluing the primary Monday Night Football broadcast and making it a lesser assignment. And again, as you pointed out, and anybody that's watching this, there's no way that the Manning cast can be the main broadcast. They go off on tangents where they're not even sure what just happened in the game on that play. They're not paying attention closely. What's the call? Is the call a penalty? I mean, they, they go, oh, wait a minute. He didn't get the first down. They're, they're going to have to go for it. I mean, that, that, that constantly goes on in the back and forth. That can't be the main broadcast. And the only broadcast is your point. Uh, it was just interesting to watch them again with Phil Mickelson. Great interaction, him making fun of them, them making fun of him, him making fun of Eli's golf swing in a golf simulator. Just fascinating that they've created something that's got some success, and you've brought up the great point from the jump. It's taking away from the main broadcast. So uh, maybe not massively in the ratings, but there are a lot of people watching it. There are a million, eight, two million people that are watching that instead of watching the main game. So they've created kind of a two-headed thing. Uh, there with that let's stick with the ESPN theme again near and dear to me John here in the Tampa Bay area Dick Vitale resides in this area he's been undergoing cancer treatment it's getting a lot of local media attention he's putting it on social media as well undergoing chemotherapy the lead basketball uh, analyst and guru for ESPN for 40 years he's 82 years old Dick has announced John that his chemo treatments have gone well to this point and he may be cleared later this week we're, we're waiting to see to, to return to college basketball games on ESPN. He's missed the first week of games. He would like to be back while undergoing cancer treatment. I, I know uh, you share in this sentiment as well. We want him to get well soon. We want him to be back out there. Uh, so it's just fascinating at the local level to watch this going on. But there are a lot of college basketball fans. There's a love-hate thing with Vital. He annoys a lot of people. But Dickie V isn't the worst thing in the world on TV. And he may be back soon here, John. Let's hope so. Yeah, I think everyone wants Dick Vitale back and hopes that he can, uh, you know, get back to health. 
you know, you do wonder, like, certainly with the COVID situation, even though he's probably, he's probably yeah. vaccinated, well, definitely vaccinated, probably got his booster as well. Anytime you're talking about someone who's 82 years old and now obviously the ultimate comorbidity, which is cancer, you know, uh, I, you know, you certainly hope everyone is going to be safe and smart and make sure that he's not taking any uh, un unnecessary risks. I would love to see Dickie V doing his little kind of, he would ride the wave of the fans, right? They'd be lifting him and throwing him all yep. over the place. I'd love to see that, but you know, uh, if he has to do them remotely, uh, you know, I, 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 whatever it has to be done to uh, to make sure he's not, you know, endangering himself. And you make a great point that a year ago, almost everything on ESPN was being done remotely, including Dick sitting in his home in Sarasota, Florida, calling games. So even if that's what it is going to be and what it has to be, it's great. He's great for college basketball. He's been such an ambassador, raised the profile of the game. Get well soon, Dickie V. We'll have him back in there. But uh, ESPN has launched their uh, their basketball coverage with Jay Billis and Fran Fraschilla and their other analysts that are in there in the prominent in the prominent roles, the primary roles. We'll see if they work Dickie V back in, and you make a good point, even if it's remotely here in the coming days and weeks. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, and of course, you know, it's not really college basketball without Dick Vitale, right? You know, you think about it. Billy Packer was there for years, decades. Yes. And yes. I'm not saying that nobody misses Billy Packer, but it's not like college basketball is not the same without Billy Packer, right? Dick well, Vitale, it's a different story. You're absolutely right. And in Packer's case, unfortunately, not a great personality off the mic and towards people. Vital, the exact opposite. I mean, if he saw you right now, I'll do my impression. He would come right up. John Lewis, baby. Great to see you. I love to read the, the sportsmediawatch.com. Why do you not talk enough college basketball, baby? It's awesome. That, that would be Vital, even if he hadn't met you. He is that okay. way all the time as an ambassador for the game. Again, it rubs some the wrong way, but it, he's been a great carnival barker. I'll use that phrase for the sport for 40 years. Dick Vitale was doing games back on ESPN when nobody knew what ESPN was in the early eighties for college basketball. He helped introduce the nation on a regular basis to come to ESPN and watch a good college basketball game. I'm talking about 1982, 1983, the dark ages, John of TV, when ESPN was trying to grow something, he was there. And I've often said this now, 40 years later, the two guys that helped ESPN grow the fastest besides the games with their personality were Chris Berman and Dick Vitale in the early eighties. Those were the kind of the go-to signature personalities that you tuned in for Good for Dickie V that at 82, he's still uh, hanging around on that front. All right, another topic, sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Reminder again, however you found us, I didn't say this at the top, subscribe away, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, John's site. John's doing a great job of promoting as well, sportsmediawatch.com, his Twitter, Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-E-N underscore S-M-W is his Twitter handle. Uh, he's doing a great job of promoting it, but the easiest way to get us early in the week on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast is to subscribe and it will come automatically to you. I clarify again, John, because it's worth it on the Apple podcast and Spotify. They have changed to pay subscription for the word subscribe. You only need to follow us. This podcast is free. You don't have to pay for it. Follow us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. It will come automatically to you. And there are several hundred of you that we're seeing that are that through the metrics and the analytics that are following us on Apple and Spotify. So it's worth saying that again. Hit the follow button. You'll get us automatically. Enough of the promo. 
Uh, USA soccer. We don't often talk about this on the podcast, but USA soccer's game with Mexico on ESPN2 actually did pretty well in the ratings relative again for soccer and relative at the lower level. And it also got a bump from Univision, as you would expect, where Mexico, Mexican soccer, it's huge. John, tell me a little more here because USA men's soccer has been in the abyss here and trying to come out of it. They haven't been in the World Cup, didn't qualify, didn't qualify for the Olympics, um, uh, the, the delayed Olympics in Tokyo in soccer. But at least the men's national team played well in the game, won the game, and some people were watching. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the fact is that the ceiling in terms of viewership for the men's team is higher than it is for the women's team, right? We can get into all the reasons why we can talk about, you know, people not supporting women's sports. But the fact is, you know, the men's team, when they were in the round of 16 in some of those World Cups, they were getting that same 20, 24, 25 million viewers that the women's team was getting for the, the championship game. So if the men's team could ever get good, I mean... Imagine if the men's team was as good as a women's team, we would have seen some pretty incredible numbers there. Uh, You know, as it is, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see if you have the men's team do really well in 20, I guess there's actually a world cup next year, isn't there? It doesn't feel like that because it's in Qatar. That world cup is pretty doomed as far as viewership goes. It's not going to do well. Uh, We know what we now, we now have the proof. If you're playing out of season, people are not going to watch, right? The last year has given us a proof of that. So there's no doubt in my mind. Next, I mean, even before COVID, it was obvious that next year's World Cup was going to be a viewership sinkhole, and especially now. But the men were not involved in the previous World Cup, and again, are not involved in the Olympics. Will it get a little bump if they qualify, if they have some momentum, just relative? I, I can't believe it wouldn't help a little bit to have the USA men there. Not great numbers, not millions and millions more, but maybe a, a million more or something like that might be watching. And there's a time displacement thing too, right, with the Middle East where you've got to figure that out because I, I believe – in Cutter, it's like seven hours ahead, seven or eight hours ahead. So the games may be on in the morning here too for when they're playing it, depending. Yeah, I mean, that's another factor as well. You know, I, I think, I don't, I can't imagine next year's World Cup is going to have a better viewership average than any team between happening during NFL season and being in the morning. I mean, that's just impossible to me. Uh, so, you know, I just can't see that doing well, U.S. or no U.S., I mean, frankly, even if the U.S. team were to make the final, what time is the final set for? Unless that's got an NFL lead in, I can't see that doing well. And and typically it is a Sunday. And again, because of the time change, it would probably be Sunday morning that they would be Mm -hmm. playing the World Cup final. Because again, uh, this just into the newsroom, FIFA and the World Sport, they don't care about the U.S. timeline on when they're playing. They're going to play the World Cup final when they want to play it and at what time they want to play it. It's the World Sport. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the U.S. doesn't have quite the pull with FIFA that uh, maybe it does with, say, the IOC. Right. Uh, But, you know, this whole thing is very dumb. You know, uh, FIFA is tremendously corrupt. As we all know, the IOC is also corrupt. Qatar should not be hosting a World Cup. They should not have it in November. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a uh, it's a farce. The whole thing is a farce. And, and, you know, uh, a traditional World Cup in the summer pretty much anywhere else in the world. Maybe we could have seen some pretty good numbers, but really it's, it's fascinating because it's a world cup next year, but the next world cup that matters in terms of the growth of, growth of soccer is five years away. That's the North American one. Uh, that'll be here. The U S doesn't really matter what the U S does. Uh, this is a transitional uh, period for them. 
And maybe they can use the next World Cup to get back to relevance. Uh, because like I said, their ceiling is higher, right? Again, I mean, just keep looking at the fact their round of 16 games, their games in the group stage were getting numbers that were lower, lower, but comparable to what the women got in the final. And I think it's fair to say the women replaced them in the consciousness of the last yeah. six or seven years of the World Cups and the Olympics, where the women were winning and succeeding, winning the World Cup, winning the gold medal, uh, as they did. They replaced the men. The men became a total ignore mm -hmm. because they weren't they weren't even playing in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for example, in my house, I have twin 13-year-old girls. They're very much into the women's national team. We were watching a friendly. That's what they call the games that don't have any bearing on making the World Cup or the Olympics. We were watching a friendly on Fox Sports 1, um, and I, don't, I think it was against Japan, live game. It was in Minnesota. It was cool that night because fans all had jackets and sleeves on. This is about three weeks ago. The stadium was packed and the game got like a million rating on Fox Sports 1 because the women are a brand right now in national soccer and the men are are irrelevant in terms of who are they and they haven't done anything, John. I think it's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. We'll see what they can do. Um, I, I, I think the the big thing with men's soccer to the advantage that it has over the, uh, the women's game right now in terms of viewership is that people pretty much only tune in for the U.S. in this country on the women's side. But the men's World Cup can still get these pretty good numbers for those other teams. Uh, and again, you know, there's all sorts of reasons for that. You know, we all know the lack of support for women's sports and all of that. But certainly the men's World Cup doesn't need the U.S., whereas the women's World Cup is only about the U.S., at least in terms of viewership. Although I will say the last one in 19, the viewership was actually up for the non-U.S. matches and down for the U.S. matches. But the U.S. matches are a significantly better draw as well. Voice of John Lewis, sportsmediawatch.com. Love his insight. Love everything uh, that you get off of that website again there as you hang out. I, I think we need to move right into it. Everybody uh, has come to expect this near the end of our podcast. Let's go. Love it or leave it. Love it or leave it. I have to find this out. I do not know the answer. Did you play any soccer in your youth? Or were you, he's, he's shaking, I can see him on video. He's shaking his head. No, never a youth soccer yeah. player. It's been such a huge youth sport for like 40 years. Never a soccer player, huh? I don't think I've ever kicked a soccer ball in any capacity <laughs> in my life. So that's a no. I was a youth soccer player. Again, uh, I was a child of the 80s where the NASL had come in and it was a big deal and they began to grow the game. My two have played it for the last six years on the recreational level as ladies uh, out there with the fundamentals. Again, it is such a big youth sport. And then you get to like high school and college and it just drops off dramatically. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of love it for the younger kids. And then there's a lot of leave it just generally across the country once you get high school age and college it's it's one yeah. of the it's still i will still use this i've said this all the time doing sports radio shows and whatever it is still inexcusable for the united states in terms of the men's team to not qualify when we're a country of 330 million people and soccer's been ingrained here for 50 years going back to the 70s. It's inexcusable that you can't qualify for one of the top 16 or one of the top 32 in the world and make the tournament. That's that's almost unforgivable. Let's hope they get back to some respectability on that, on the, uh, on the love it or leave it. Let's do another one. Here we go. Love it or leave it. 
a big deal right now, and especially around the holidays, is trading cards. I'm curious, again, whether f- baseball cards, football, NBA basketball cards, John Lewis, love it or leave it, leave it a trading card collector at all at any point, including now. Well, I have. I, I uh, normally, when I'm in my office, I always have all these uh, NBA basketball cards next to me. They're all from the early 90s. You know, and I, I uh, came of age at a time before video games, really. Uh, and so I didn't have the video games. I had the cards. They weren't my cards. They were uh, one of my uh, one of my relatives cards and uh, not understanding the value of them. I would play the game with the cards. So I would manually take the cards and, you know, run them down the court, which I guess would be just like the more i love it and uh you know uh yeah they're all damaged now but i, I mean there's a few of them that actually are, are in pretty <laughs> decent shape i've got a reggie lewis one uh who uh went to uh, northeastern in boston yeah a lot of people remember reggie lewis so i've uh i do have a reggie lewis card that's in decent condition uh a few uh del curry got some del curry. Yes. I, I, uh, somewhere i've got tony bennett from uva there you I've go got him on the hornets when he played there and when I was uh, when I was younger I I didn't immediately realize at a young age that he wasn't the singer because I didn't you know I didn't, I didn't <laughs> right. know right so it's like oh together. I didn't know he yeah I didn't know he played basketball too right uh but uh yeah so I want to say without looking he played several years in the NBA as well before going to become an assistant with his dad Dick Bennett as a basketball coach and now uh, he's on obviously his own uh, trajectory as a tremendous college basketball coach in a national championship. But yeah, Tony Bennett played some, and I I collected the I believe they're the hoops cards. I got to go look. I have this stuff in boxes and closets and different places. The hoops cards were only out uh, maybe a year or two in like the late '80s, the early '90s, right? And I I, I remember I have Miami Heat, Orlando Magic. And even Charlotte Hornet cards from the birth of those franchises. And I may be leaving one out Minnesota Timberwolves too, with Garnett from the birth of those franchises. I have some of their original cards. I don't know if they're worth three or four cents. I have no idea, but I remember collecting some basketball cards back in the day, John Lewis. Yeah. Hey, some of them got to be valuable, right? Uh, I'm for all I know, I've got the Mark Jackson card with the Menendez brothers in it. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, wait, wait, wait. You're talking about the Menendez brothers that committed the murders? Yeah, there's a Mark Jackson basketball card where they're in it. They're in the background, sitting in the courtside. <laughs> this is tremendous. I've got to look for this. Yeah. And you think you might have the card. I mean, and they made a lot of them, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, hey, for all I know. <laughs> all right. We got to go back and look. And again, so much of this during the COVID-19 global pandemic, when everybody was shut in, everybody went crazy with all the cards that they have. Mm-hmm. And then the brokering on selling them on eBay and different, you know, different places with bidding and, and stuff went crazy. Uh, what's interesting, because I know enough about this with having dealt with collectors and appraisers and people that are in the memorabilia world is the line of demarcation for card collecting is about 1987, believe it or not. Hmm. So anything post-1987 has been so mass-produced that it's not as valuable, supply and demand, economics 101. So if you have free advice on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast, if you have anything before 87 of the baseball, the football, and the basketball variety, the collectors will tell you, the memorabilia people will tell you, those are more valuable. And if they're in good condition, if not mint or great condition, they're even more valuable. 
So again, just check in. I mean, there were basketball cards in the early 80s. There were there were baseball cards that are far more valuable. There were pro football cards. There were some hockey cards floating around. Anything before it was being just mushroom mass produced, mushrooming big time, they're going to be more valuable because there's fewer of them. So just free advice on that. So we might have the old school you know, Julius Irving, you know, pick one, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all the guys, Nate, Tiny Archibald, all those guys in the early 80s. And they got a, and Moses Malone, you got a basketball card. Could be worth something, John Lewis, just pointing that out. Yeah, yeah, you never know. I think I've got some Gretzky cards, but they're probably from the 90s. So. Yeah, the 90s, not as good as what the old, the old school Gretzky's would be. Yeah. Um, it just jogged me uh, on what, you know what, let's turn it into one more. We've got one more here. Love it. Or leave it. The NBA's uh, top 75 players of all time will be coming out. And, John, I must confess ignorance. I don't know enough about what they're doing here. I know they did the NBA 50 25 years ago with the 50 greatest players. So that's going to be coming out. Uh, Tell me how much you love this or if you want to leave it that they've got. And it's going to be a totally new list. Or are the 50 from before at least guaranteed a spot and it's just 25 new guys? I don't know what they're doing looking into this or not well this is kind of a failure of the nba's marketing because that list already came out it came out weeks how ago. bad is that yeah well i mean for, for whatever reason it just was not really marketed well uh the first 50 came out i think on opening night the second 50 came out on uh the next day on espn's new uh, on, on espn's the jump two uh and then uh the third list came out the following day on 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 tnt and it just was a blink of an eye everyone missed it uh everyone from the first 50 made it the 50 list everyone from that list made it and then the next 25 was you know the obvious lebron durant etc they they rectified the absence of dominique wilkins uh left off draymond green who was upset at least me uh, uh clay thompson who was upset uh clay was then gifted a jersey by the warriors him number 77 uh, the thing is there are actually 76 players on the list because two of them tied so that's why clay got jersey number clay 77. got 77 but that all happened so this, i mean this is a failure i didn't even see any of this and maybe i'm just oblivious because i'm in a lot of different worlds but i remember for the nba 50 didn't they do it around the all-star game and they had as many yeah, living people did. there and they had them on a stage why would they not have done something similar here to celebrate 75 years unless they feel like 75 is not as big a deal as 50 well, maybe there. May, I don't remember how it happened with the fifty list. Maybe that came out initially at the start of the season, and then they did the All Star Game tribute. If I remember correctly, you didn't know until that mm-hmm. weekend in what order they were ranking them. You had a pretty good idea of who, especially the top ten or fifteen, were going to be, but you didn't right. know. If I remember correctly, they revealed it at that All Star Game. That's when it came out the first time. Yeah, I don't know. I will say my battery's at three percent. So, <laughs> so that means we're almost done on the podcast. Yeah. A good yeah. stuff there on Love It or Leave It. We remind you again, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it before John runs out of battery uh, here on this. Uh, John, listen, I always love the insight. I always love the back and forth. We encourage them to read the site, sportsmediawatch.com, for all the takes, especially on the ratings and much more. Anything in closing before you run out of battery? Um, no, not really. Uh, my time in Boston has been interesting. I've enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, I'm going to keep, uh, you know, 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. I've, I've run out of things to say. I, I, I've got, I'm operating in like very little sleep and uh, <laughs> got a lot more work to do. So yeah, I understand that. We're all, we're all this time. Get some rest. All good. We'll be reading the site. Sports media watched on. Uh, in any event, get some rest. All good. We always appreciate you being with us. We encourage everybody to read the site, sportsmediawatch.com. John, thank you, as always, for hopping on board on the podcast. Hey, no problem. There is John Lewis. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Again, subscribe away. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Come find us on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. For now, we are done. Read John's site, sportsmediawatch.com. Bye. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big